Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Really, Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! Hey, D! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome into the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke. As always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Hedke NBA. And today I am joined by All Eyes North creator, Jerry Wackles. How's it going, man? Good, Brendan. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm happy to join the illustrious line of guests on, on your podcast. Yeah, thanks for coming. I really do appreciate it. Um, I think we're going to have a good, quick conversation here about just kind of wrapping up the season. And we really want to talk about the the highs who, you know, came in and just blew you away, did way better than you expected. And then the lows, the people that that didn't meet up to expectations. So uh, before that, I want I want you to talk. I know your site's been up for um, the whole season, right? You launched it like right before the season started. So tell the yeah. listeners who maybe don't know what Ball Eyes North is, uh, tell them what it is and, and where your inspiration for that came from. Yeah. Um, so Ball Eyes North came, um, it, or it came up um, right at the end of last season. It was, I was just about to start creating the site a little bit after the D'Angelo Russell trade. And I should say last season as in the 1920 season. And um, then obviously the pandemic shut everything down. So I delayed until just before training camp of uh, this past season. And really uh, what it is, balleyesnorth.com is my website and at Twitter, uh, at balleyesnorth. Um, essentially, um, I'm, I'm not a, an expert. I'm not, you know, I just have followed the team incredibly closely for a long time. And I like to write things from a fan's perspective. So I write a lot of thoughts on previous games, especially the wins um, and what we can learn, not from, you know, as much of a statistic standpoint, but more from a themes and trends and, uh, and just generally how, um, you know, how we can be feeling about certain things that happen throughout the season. Um, and, and, you know, so far it's been really fun uh, writing a lot of, like I said, about a lot of post-game thoughts and then just generally um, articles about things that are coming up and, and the future of the team. And yeah, it's been really fun so far. And I encourage anyone to come check it out and let me know what you think. Yeah. And, and I've been looking, I've been reading, you know, I can't say I read everything, but I do read a ton of the stuff you put out and I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, you really do Thank come you. with a, a fan's perspective. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. So I do really enjoy that. Um, I think it's a unique site. Your site has a, a different feel to it than, than any of the other sites. And you also plug um, things from other Timberwolves sites also, correct? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's one thing I should mention is um, I, I've been a huge reader and, and subscriber to, you know, you guys over at A Wolf Among Wolves and Canis Hoopus and, and all the awesome um, Wolves sites and just generally the Wolves personalities on, on Twitter and, and social media as well. And when people come up with cool things, whether it's writing them creating them on YouTube, podcasting, whatever. I like to push it out there because anyone else, there's probably a lot of other people who like to subscribe to this stuff like I do and, and they should, you know, have an opportunity to see it. So I just try to get as much of that out as possible as well. Yeah. And that's definitely appreciated by everybody that, you know, writes and smaller writers and even the bigger writers 
um, having another place where fans can just see that all kind of compiled into one place is definitely an awesome thing. Um, so that's awesome. If you're listening to this ball eyes, North.com, just like all eyes North, but with the B at the beginning. Um, but before we get into the show, I do have to take a quick ad break. So we'll be right back. If you're anything like me, you like to root for the underdog and the NBA playoffs are starting. There's no better time to root for an underdog than right now. And the best way to root for an underdog is to throw some money down on it. And bet online is the best place to do that. The Phoenix Suns right now sit plus 850 to win the Western Conference. So head on over to Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we are back, and now we're going to get into the meat of the show, and that is talking about, first, we're just going to wrap up the season and kind of get just general thoughts of of how we felt this season went. And I guess, Jerry, my first question for you is, pre-All-Star break, Ryan Saunders era Timberwolves, which feels like three seasons ago. Yeah. How did you make it through that time as a Timberwolves fan? Because it was very rough. What what kept you going to watch this team? Because there wasn't a lot to be hopeful for because we hadn't even seen, you know, the full product out there. So so what was going through your mind in those first 31 games under Ryan Saunders? Yeah, it was it was difficult. Like you said, uh, for a lot of fans, you probably felt this, uh, the same way. It was almost like you couldn't really take anything out of a lot of these games because they were blowouts by the end of the middle of the third quarter and and so it was difficult watching Uh, I would say for me I'm always a a positive type of Timberwolves fan even when things are you know as low as they can get at that time and even in those garbage time games some of those blowout losses um, guys like McDaniels and Vanderbilt and then even you know Ant at that time even though he wasn't obviously wasn't having a great start to his season just watching them get a chance to at least go out and, and just do stuff, whether it was good or bad, um, watching Vanderbilt go crashing around the court and, and McDaniels watching him actually turn into um, what we know him as now, just an awesome, awesome defender and, and, you know, future star, hopefully. I would say it was the development of the young guys. That's kind of where my brain goes in these seasons when, when things go poorly. Yeah. And I, I think I'm kind of there with you. I can't count the number of times I've seen the star players on the Timberwolves play and, and just have crushing loss after crushing loss after crushing loss. Whereas earlier in the season when cat was out, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, if you consider him a star player, which I do, but he was still in there, but we didn't see the losses with cat. They were losses coming without cat, which made me Mm -hmm. feel like there was a little bit of optimism for when cat comes back. There was never any optimism in, in past seasons where um, cats in the game and, you know, the seventh man is out and you're like, Oh, it'll all be better when, you know, whoever it is comes back. Now it's, you were waiting for cat to come back. And to be fair, didn't even with cat back at first, D'Angelo then went out and things didn't, didn't look good. And then Chris Finch came in and, and that's when things really started to turn around. So what have you thought of Chris Finch? Do you think he's the guy that will, you know, win the Timberwolves their first playoff game? You think he's the coach that will be here when their next playoff game happens? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I've written, you know, several times after some of the better wins, especially, you know, the the Phoenix win, Golden State win uh, in the second half of the season, for sure. 
where it seemed like, you know, not only were we not, um, not outcoached, um, but we, we outcoached the other team. It was, it was just one of those more obvious things where it was like, oh, this is an actual game plan that we're seeing night in and night out. And, and he's, he's just been there, obviously not in the NBA, but just he's led teams to championships in other leagues. And he just seemed so well-respected around the league that um, I think him coming in and kind of immediately showing um, just the maturity and, and, um, and strategy smarts to, to lead this team uh, to me, I, I, you know, he's everything we could have asked for. And the most confidence I've had in a coach as far as the whole package, you know, I think Thibodeau was, is a, is a very smart coach. Um, but you always had that sense that it wasn't, like it wasn't everything that we wanted in a, in a head coach as far as being the leader of the team as well. And really since, you know, the first couple of seasons of Rick Adelman, this is the most I believe in the Timberwolves head coach. Um, but even then Adelman wasn't going to be here for the long haul. So yeah, he's the guy in my opinion. Uh, I think regardless of how the hiring came about, he's, you know, he's exactly what we needed. I agree. And I think it's one thing that I think has really, made me really believe in him is what he's been able to do with a staff that he didn't get to handpick and choose. He's been working with a staff that has had David Vanterpool, <clears throat> excuse me, David Vanterpool, who was brought in by Ryan Saunders, Brian Gates, who was brought in by Ryan Saunders. Both those two uh, just the other day were announced they won't be coming back, which we kind of figured they wouldn't. Um, Pablo Prigioni, they did not say he's not coming back. I didn't realize he had as big of connection to Chris Finch as as he does. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pablo stays, um, but Finch will get to bring in some more of his guys for next season, which makes me even more excited. I think he'll be able to install his defensive principles even more depending on which ones he has, or maybe he has full trust in someone that he brings in to do that. Um, that's not David Vanderpool. So just with a, it's not a thrown together coaching staff because it was a coaching staff put together by someone, but it's not a coaching staff that he would have necessarily put together. So to do what he did and bring the Timberwolves really turned their season around after the all-star break. I think that was very encouraging. I think they went 16 and 20 post all-star break. Um, and, and a lot of those games were without, not a lot, but a good chunk were without D'Angelo Russell and all of them were without Malik Beasley minus maybe four games or yeah, something. Minus a few, I think. So we still haven't seen it fully altogether, but it's been close and it's been really encouraging since then. So I, I mm-hmm. agree with you. I think that Chris Finch is the coach that will win the Timberwolves their next playoff game. Um, and if they're going to be good, I think he'll be the coach that takes them deeper into the playoffs. If they, for some reason, head to another rebuild down the line, because God forbid cat wants out or something, you know, things always can change that way. But I think as long as, as long as um, Gerson Rosas is here, Chris Finch is going to be here. And as long as things are trending upward, Chris Finch isn't going anywhere because he seems like a winning coach agreed i think and i think good point about rosas i think finch and rosas i think are now tied together yeah um pretty much at the hip and so while rosas is around i think finch is the guy and i think when you look at um the way that chris finch was brought in that really signifies that that he was gerson rosas guy rosas didn't just fire saunders and and you know promote david vanterpool he went and stole someone off another team's bench to to come in so if something's not happening, you know, that falls on Rosas too. Not he, he can't scapegoat, scapegoat Chris Finch, um, mm-hmm. which I don't think he'll have to. I think Chris Finch has done good. So I don't think he'd have to scapegoat him, but yeah. Right. 
I totally agree with you there. Um, the next part of the, the episode I did want to get into is talking about players that have exceeded, met, or not met their your expectations. I want to start, I always like to end optimistically. So let's start with the players that did not meet your expectations. I don't know how many you have on there, on that list, but I want you to give me your first player who did not meet expectations. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think uh, starting... Uh, starting on the pessimistic side is good to finish finish optimistically. So the first first player I'm going to say that did not meet expectations uh, is Wancho Hernan Gomez, and and I don't want to you know pile on on Wancho saying he was terrible. I mean he didn't have a good year, especially to start. Um, but I think especially in the first half of the season, I think he was playing out of position. Um, he, you know, in the end of last year he came in shooting 42 or he ended the season shooting 42% from three. And he was kind of that starting power forward next to Nas, but obviously the team wasn't good. Um, he was not the answer at power forward. I think we can, we can all agree. And I, and I don't know that he's super qualified to be, you know, a wing player either, but I, I do think that was a better option for him as Finch played him next to Vanderbilt and Nas to, to end the season. And those lineups um, were fun. Yeah, Those lineups they, were kind of fun. So, and they worked they too were pretty well. So I, yeah. I was, I never would have thought they would work that well, but right. it was interesting to see it. So I agree with you, but yeah, yeah keep going. Yeah, but then only, you know, the, the big issue, I think maybe we built him up in our heads to be this awesome shooter, but I mean, he only shot 32% from three this year and you know, that's a few percentage points below league average. And, and so that's just not gonna, not gonna get it done. So I would say he certainly was below my expectations. And he's a player I would agree. He was on my list as well. He's someone that I don't think um, really met my expectations. So uh, I don't have much else to add to that one. I'll go with one. Um, I'm just going to throw a couple names out there quick because I don't think they're gonna, we're going to touch on him too much. Um, Ed Davis, I thought Ed Davis might have a little bit more of a role heading into the season defensively. Um, and it's not so much that he really disappointed. I think I just came in and my expectations were too high for what I thought he could do. Not that I ever thought he was the answer at the starting four or anything like that. I just thought he would provide some meaningful minutes and that didn't really happen. Um, another name I'll throw out there quick, uh, Jake Lehman. I thought Jake Lehman would have a bigger role too. And maybe my expectations were too high. I think Jake Lehman still could have had a bigger role and made some sort of an impact being a solid cutter, which I think would have helped open up the offense for D'Lo and Cat. And then just being a, a solid defender would have helped as well. But um, it didn't seem like he fit into long-term plans. So those two, I don't know if that's a me thing or a them thing, but they didn't really meet my expectations. But one I want to spend a little bit of time talking about um, is Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio off the court as a mentor to Anthony Edwards. Um, he met all expectations I had for him. But as a player on the court, he did not. I expected him to come in and be a top three, top five backup point guard in the league. Granted, he had to start, you know, half the season or whatever it was. Um, I didn't really love what I saw from Ricky Rubio this season. His shooting regressed from from last year, and this was actually like his third worst shooting season of his career um, on like a higher attempts than he has had in those past years. And then from two, he shot very poorly as well. I just didn't really like what I saw from Rubio on the court. Um slowing down a little bit defensively. So I didn't fall in love with it. Like I thought I was going to. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on Rubio's? 
Yeah, I, I agree. And and obviously we all love we all love Ricky, you know, spent from his time here before and just I mean, just how good of a person he is. And as a mentor to Ant, I mean, every time you ask Anthony Edwards about Ricky, he just lights up and it's just one of the, you know, obviously one of the best relationships in uh, in, you know, Timberwolves history between teammates. It's it's great. But you're totally right uh, on the court. Um, you know, I, I, I remember people saying this all the time back when Ricky first came over or not first came over, but later in his first tenure with the Wolves is, you know, if he's going to be your best player on the court uh, or the top couple best players on the court for your team, um, it's, it's not going to look great. Um, but if he is your fourth or fifth best player in the, you know, in that lineup at that time, um, it's gonna. It's probably gonna look a lot better. And he looked really bad at the beginning of this year, um, just with, you know, he was relied on to do so much because with Towns out, Anthony had not really ready for the full, you know, the full spotlight yet. Um, he just was asked, I think, to do way too much. And you know, there was some obviously some reports that just maybe wasn't fully himself yet anyway, uh, coming off the off season. So um, yeah, just made for kind of a really bad, really bad recipe definitely improved i would say towards the end yeah of the i would year, agree but, with that too but still like like you were saying he just never really put it together in a way that we were kind of ready ready for um or that we were hoping for at least yeah i agree yeah he he did definitely improve from the beginning of the season i think a lot of that was a product of playing with you know better players around him he's always going to be mm-hmm. a player that 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 thrives with players around him but even mm-hmm. to the point of his best stretches of play in the season weren't anything um, weren't even like up to the standard I thought he would play with all season long. So that's the right. part of Rubio that really kind of made me a little discouraged this season. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add to Rubio? If not, go ahead with your next player. Yeah, no, not not really anything else to add to Rubio other than you know I I do think a more normal off season and you know maybe a more established role and plan heading into next season will do him will do him good. So I agree. I think good things are on the horizon um that'll it'll be interesting to see if he's in minnesota next season though if if those good things on the horizon come here or if they're elsewhere um that's something i'll be monitoring all off season just kind of correct seeing what their plan is there correct that will be interesting to to see um we'll see what opportunities come up um my last my last guy below expectations and i hate to pile on this guy but jared culver um I mean, and, you know, not really through maybe his own fault, I guess. He just, he was injured a couple times and uh, just never really, um, never really clicked for him, never got into a rhythm. I did think, uh, especially kind of with some, some hype about his improved, um, improved strength and conditioning coming into the season, I did think that, um, you know, he might have an awesome sophomore year, even if the jump shot never comes around. I mean, plenty of players can still, um, do a lot of other things, whether it's on the defensive end or just on kind of a tertiary role on offense without a consistent jump shot, but just never was able to establish, you know, establish good minutes. And, and really we didn't even see the same flashes this year when he did play that we saw in his rookie season. So yeah, I, unfortunately just really tough season, definitely below expectations for Culver. Yeah. I was unreasonably optimistic about Culver coming into the season. I did not really, um, expect him to play that poorly. I think he played. I think he had a worse season than he did last season, and I think that was kind of tough to do because his rookie season wasn't very good. And I was really optimistic that he 
maybe not being the, you know, the fifth starter that would kind of make things all work, but being like the sixth or seventh man and being like in a very good role. And, and I think what really pushed it was how good he played in, in preseason and the first couple mm-hmm. games of the season really made it feel like he was going to have an awesome year. And then he, he really had a very bad year. And I know he was dealing with injuries off and on. I don't think that was really it. Maybe part of it, but I think he was dealing with a lot of confidence issues that I don't really know how those get solved. And I'm a huge Culver guy. I was one of the, I stayed on the train the longest, you know, I took it, you know, transatlantic all the way across the United States. I was on that train, but by the time we got to the the end, I I never wanted to get back on it. And I don't, I'm going to be really cautious to get back on that train next season. If something looks like it's starting to go good. Um, just because of how much energy I spent on it this season, but he definitely is d- disappointed. And he was another player that I did have on my list. I think he's like the clear cut player of like him and Ruby are two players where they really disappointed, um, this season. I actually have one more player. Okay. And you don't have any left in yours. So I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on, on this sure. player. And this player is Jordan McLaughlin. I was a huge supporter of Jordan McLaughlin's last season. And I think he had a down year um, to the point where I don't know. Last season, people thought of him as maybe being an option to be the full-time backup. And after watching this season, I am retracting that. I don't really know what he can be um, anymore. And it sucks to say that because he's one of my favorite players, but um, just because of how great a duty is and, and things like that. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on Jordan McLaughlin? Did he meet your expectations? Is he someone who exceeded them or what did you think? Yeah, I actually had him in my met expectations, but I admittedly, um, have relative had relatively low expectations on McLaughlin. I, I love J Mac. Uh, I did last year. I bought one of those, uh, J Mac sweatshirts at the beginning of this year. It's my favorite piece of clothing. Um, big J Mac fan, but I didn't, you know, I didn't really have many expectations for him even really playing much with the wolves this year. Um, but I, you know, I don't, I definitely don't disagree with, with your assessment. I think, um, there were some decent games. He's got a good basketball IQ, but there really is a limit to someone who's not an elite scorer and who is at his size. There's just really a limit to what, um, to what you can do. Uh, on a basketball court, unfortunately, the game is made for giant human beings, and he's a normal-sized human being like the rest of us. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I, if they keep J Mac around for the next for the next decade of his career, well, I'm sure many Wolves fans will be happy. But yeah, I don't, uh, I never really expected a ton from the beginning, so that's probably why he's just on my, you know, met expectations. So I think your, I think your analysis on that is still very fair. Yeah, and I. I did. I didn't have too big of expectations for him either. You know, coming into the season, you knew you had Rubio and and Dilo, who are obviously supposed to be superior point guards to him. Mm -hmm. Um, At the beginning of the season, people were questioning if Jordan McLaughlin was better than Rubio. Um, I think he was. I think he still had okay season. He was a good back, a third string point guard. Um, But I think that the calls for him to get you know a full full time contract. Um, and then, and, and not happening. I, I think that was kind of warranted that not happening, but, um, I don't think he's bad by any means. I don't think he really nope. struggled. He's only in his second NBA season and he is undersized. So I never expected too much from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and you can never question 
you know, his heart and how hard he plays on the basketball court. Those are things right. that you would never want to take away from him. And his confidence level was always there. Um, I think he just struggled to hit shots like he did last year's three pointer um, didn't fall quite as much this year. And he just didn't have the opportunity he had. I feel like mm-hmm. at the end of last season, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes his way back to the team next year and has a solid year. It'll depend yep. what the point guard rotation really looks like. Uh, the Timberwolves end up getting a draft pick and they, you know, Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suggs fall in their lap. You know, I don't think J Mac has a place here. Um, right. But if they end up trading Rubio and they don't have, they don't add another high profile backup point guard, I could see some minutes being carved out for him. We've seen yep. two point guard lineups being used. Him and he and D'Angelo Russell, we've seen a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of that working somewhat. Obviously, defensively, it's never going to be great, but yep. we've seen some synergy there. Um, but that was my last player on my on my list. So, sure, you had him. You had him meeting expectations, and and he was on the fringes yep. of of that for me. So, um, I don't think our list that way are too different. Let's move into other players who just met our expectations but didn't yep. quite exceed them. So you can go first with another player. Sure. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, Malik Beasley as far as meeting expectations. And I would say he's, he might be on a lot of people's, you know, kind of exceeded expectations list just, I mean, based on his first, you know, half of the season. Um, I mean, he was our best offensive threat during those games that, uh, that Towns was out. He was absolutely, you know, on fire. Um, my, I did have an expectation that he would outscore D'Lo this year. I, cause I kind of thought, you know, D'Lo is going to be a little more of a facilitator. Obviously the season went much differently than, um, anyone really predicted, but he did end up outscoring D'Lo 19.6 to D'Lo's 19 points per game. Um, but you know, ultimately he, he, he started this season, just how he finished last year, just absolutely firing, uh, on all cylinders from three and getting up shots as much as he possibly could. So I was a huge fan of Malik's first part of the season. Uh, any, any thoughts on him? Yeah. Uh, he was also in my, uh, met expectations. Uh, a lot of people, I guess around other places, not in Minnesota, maybe would have him in, you know, th- that he exceeded expectations. I kind mm-hmm. of expected that from him. Um, you know, I didn't expect him to be have to be like the best or second best player on the team for for stretch of time due to injury and whatnot. But um, I don't think he's going to be a 19 point per game scorer on a team that's fully healthy. But I didn't. I expect I would expect him to be that when he's kind of the guy or the second guy when he falls back into that that fourth player role or maybe the the sixth man or whatever it is. Probably like a 15 point scorer, I would say. Um, and, and a guy that could explode for 25, 30 points or a guy that could have an off shooting night and, and only score six points. But, um, no, I think he, I think he met my expectations. I think a lot of people might've thought we would come in here and say that he exceeded expectations. My expectations for him were really high. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and I'm glad to say that he met those. I'm interested to see what that looks like on a fully healthy team. Cause we didn't see that at all. Right. We saw that for the two first two games of the year. And then if you consider cat fully healthy for those two games against the Grizzlies and Spurs. I don't, his wrist was obviously still messed up. Right. Um, but so I'm interested to see if he's here next year and what his role is next year. He said he would be okay with having a backup role. I don't, I don't buy it, but we'll see what, we'll see what that uh, looks like. So I would agree with you there. 
on Beasley. Yeah, I think if I think he's he's right that if they're winning, he will have no problem coming off the bench because I mean it's hard to question your role when the team is winning, but you know I can see that going south real quick if they're not. I agree. Um, I'll go with another player. D'Angelo Russell met every expectation I had for him this season when healthy um, at the end of the season, the beginning of the season. So I would put it this way with D'Lo and Cat, how they played when they were together. I would put D'Angelo Russell above expectation when D'Lo was without Cat. I would put him not meeting expectations. So it averages out to him kind of being there um, in the middle of meeting expectations. I think he's a. I think people are finally really realizing how good of a passer D'Angelo Russell is. Yes. I've always thought he was a much better passer than people gave him credit for. And down these last twenty games, you really saw that come to fruition. Um, so I was really. He met my expectations that way. He met my scoring expectations. He, you know, he shot thirty-eight, almost thirty-nine percent from three on seven attempts. That's pretty much what I expected. That's actually his best shooting season um, of his career, percentage-wise. Um, on good volume. So I was really happy with that. And he actually shot the ball really well from two as well. I think having cat to take a load off of him, um, offensively really helped him. And then he was up at about six assists per game in only 28 minutes. So I was really happy with what I saw from him this year. My expectations are going to be pretty high for him next year. I think we saw some defensive intensity come up with him, um, more than normal. I'm not ever going to say he's, you know, just a savant on defense and going Mm -hmm. crazy, but we saw longer stretches in games where he was dialed in. And I think the, the better the team is, the harder he's going to play on that end of the court, which is going to make the team better. So yep. I was happy with what I saw from him that way. I think he's going to be about a 20 point per game scorer next year too. And six or seven assists. I think he's, I think it's going to work out well. Um, so did D'Lo meet your expectations, exceed them? What are your thoughts on that? I actually, he's the only guy I kept off of my list completely. And it's kind of for the reason that you started with is that, you kind of explain the context surrounding his first half of the season and his second half. And I just kind of thought there's, there's so much context around, I think his season in particular that I was just like, you know, I don't really know exactly where to put him. And, and like you said, it, it is probably in the middle. It's probably, you know, he met expectations um, because it just, I mean, he was without a real plan or game plan a lot of times in the first half of the season he was asked to just kind of go out and do his thing and lead the team and uh, around a team that was losing he wasn't totally engaged on defense all the time it was below expectations but I mean this finishing kick to the year I mean just dealing the ball all over the court um, playmaking was kind of off the charts and then um, and you know just the ability to just take over the game with pull up three pointers sometimes is uh, is just kind of magical to watch and, you know, obviously exceeded expectations. So um, I left him off completely, but like, just like you, I have high hopes for next year and I'm really excited to see, you know, to see it just an engaged and, you know, now very familiar deal with this healthy team coming back. Yeah, I agree. I think he's really bought into this team now too, which maybe he wasn't at the beginning of the year, but I'm excited to see what that comes um, like next year. Uh, how many more players do you have on your on your Met expectations list? I've got two players and a coach on my Met expectations list. Okay, so why don't you give me one of those players? Sure. I, I went with Jared Vanderbilt uh, for Met expectations. Um, and I think, again, he might be another guy that was exceeded expectations for a lot of people. 
Um, but I, I coming into the year, you kind of heard a lot of good things about his, his off season and his workouts that he was putting in and kind of transformed his body. And, and I really had high hopes. I even wrote an article about who we want to start next to cat or what kind of, you know, power forward or big man archetype to put next to cat. And kind of my ending conclusion was if, you know, if this is who Jared Vanderbilt's going to be, you know, he's, he's might be the guy I want starting and, and I don't know if I would still say you know I want him starting but I definitely want him in the rotation or wanted him in the rotation and I loved how he looked both next to Cat and Nas so you know he I, I feel good about where I had him where I expected him to be coming into the season and where he ended up yeah so I originally had him on my meet expectations and then I went back and and looked at a piece I wrote um before the season uh on Wolf Among Wolves uh, titled the wolves the wolves rotation is a mystery here's my best guess um and he was in my prove it guys category mm-hmm. um and i said that um you know he provides a skill set that if it's developed would fit really nicely alongside cat um in the front court he's you know an hellacious rebounder he runs in transition versatile defender but he's raw and the potential's there but he's got to be developed um and then my expected minutes per game for him i i ended up putting it down at only four minutes per game just because I thought Wancho and, and layman and like Ed Davis would eat up like power forward minutes. And it's so funny yeah. because those three players didn't eat up power forward minutes in general. Yep. Um, so he actually XP X he exceeded those expectations that I had written. But prior to that, I do remember thinking like he could start, you know, and, and it was just kind of reading tea leaves things where I put him in the prove it category, but he did exceed my expectations. Um, I think I want him in the rotation long-term, just like you said, the next player, I would say that met my expectations. So we talked about Beasley. We talked about D'Angelo Russell, Vanderbilt. Uh, The next player I want to talk about is Josh Okoge. He met my expectations. I knew he was going to be a good rebounder and I knew that his offense was going to be not great. And that's pretty much what had happened this season. Before the year, I said he was the best defender on the team. I don't think that's true anymore, Um, but that's only because I didn't know Jaden McDaniels would come out like he did. Um, So I said he would get played like 26 minutes a game um, just because I thought we'd need him more on the wing. He didn't Mm -hmm. quite play that much, but um, I would say he met my expectations when he was out there. I didn't expect too much from him offensively, but I expected – I was hopeful that his jump shot would come around, but I didn't expect it. Um, but I expected his defense to be good and his defense was good. So that's where I'm at with Josh. Uh, he met my expectations. Did you have him in that category? Did you have him? I, I did. Yeah. He was my, my final player and that met expectations. And, and yeah, I mean, not that you want to write a guy's improvement off after their third season. He's only, you know, what, 22, 23 years old, not probably 22. And, but I mean, he's now shot under 30% three straight years in, uh, from three point from the three point line, you know, he, he just kind of is who he is on offense, which is, which is fine. Um, he's still a valuable player in the NBA when used correctly. And you're exactly right. Played awesome point of attack defense. He, he turned some games for us this year, like we expected um, and was, you know, a sometimes negative on defense or on offense, sorry. And, um, and sometimes did some good things, but for the most part, just was, you know, the fifth best offensive player in pretty much every lineup he was in, which is fine. He met exactly what I assumed he would do for the year. Right. Okay. So with that, he was your last player on your list. I have one more player on my list. Yep. 
my players, Carl Anthony Towns, met my yep. expectations. The reason yep. Towns met my expectations was he shot the ball worse than he has in um, any season in a while. Um, from two, he was only at 54% from two. His lowest season ever was his rookie year at 55.9. So that really dropped three pointers. He dropped to 38.7. I'm not going to be too mad about that. There's always variance in three point shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the first time he shot under 40% since the, the Jimmy year. Um, but that's still 39%. So I'm fine with that. Uh, it really comes down to that. And his rebounding took a dip this season again. Um, after three straight years at, at 12 rebounds a game, he was at 10.8 this season or last mm-hmm. season and 10.6 this season. Part of that has to do with the way he's playing defense out in the perimeter a little bit more. But even before that was happening, his rebounding numbers were down a little bit. Uh, so that brings it down. But I, but his passing was better than I expected um, mm-hmm. just because of the way that Chris Finch used him. Another reason he's not in my exceeded expectations is because he um, he was a little passive in situations where I thought he should have taken a three or, or done, done something that way. So he was a little bit passive that way, but he also had his best free throw shooting year. He got to the line the second most in his career. Um, so I was pretty happy with him overall. Um, I think next season I'm going to expect a lot more. I'm going to expect him probably scoring more shooting better from the floor in general. And I'm going to expect him to be well over five assists, maybe six assists a game instead of the four and a half this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say he met my expectations, but he was nowhere near not meeting them. He was closer to exceeding them than, than falling into that not meeting category, but that's, he's a hell of a yeah. player. I always have high expectations for the best players on a team. So I would say that's why he just met them and didn't exceed them. Yep. Yep. He, he was in my exceeded and, and really, I fo- I probably didn't think enough about a lot of the things you said as far as some statistical and percentage uh, percentage dips. Um, I I think I I didn't know what we were gonna get from him coming into the year, and and there was kind of that I that you know ominous first interview, you know, kind of his first public interview before the the season started, where it just was like, you know, basketball isn't you know a safe or isn't a you know a place where I'm, I can't remember the exact quote. You guys all know what I'm talking about, I think, but um, yeah. And I just was kind of thinking, you know, this may be a a tough season for for Carl and I wouldn't blame him at all if, you know, he sustains an injury or something like that. And, um, and just kind of ends up getting shut down for the, for the year, just because, you know, he seemed like he was in a pretty, uh, pretty dark place. And, and I certainly, you know, don't, don't blame him at all. He had just a terrible um, year of his life, 15 months of his life, whatever. So, um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say, it, he exceeded because uh, the areas of his game that he still expanded, and a right. lot of that was under Chris Finch. It was, um, you know, he went from being the play finisher to the offensive engine. Essentially, it yeah. was no longer like he's gonna score, you know, 25 points a game. It's, you know, he still may score 25 points a game, but he's starting our offense every time down the court. We're using him, you know, like team, like other, you know as an offensive hub, like a Luka Doncic, like a James Harden, obviously in a much different way, but that's how they start every play is with him. So that's why I had him in exceeded expectations, but I mean, it's probably splitting hairs between met and exceeded. Yeah. And I, and I'd be remiss to not, to not mention his defensive improvements this year. And that might be a good reason um, to have him up in that Mm-hmm. that exceeded expectations. A lot of people probably would. I kind of expected him to have a jump defensively 
Um, I don't know why. I don't know how I would warrant that before the year, but I just thought maybe he'd have one of his best defensive seasons, and he did that. So that's more so why he stayed in the, you know, met expectations rather than jumping up to the exceeded them. Um, mm-hmm. But that's going to do it for me with that. I know you said you had a coach. I'm interested to hear which coach you had in the Met expectations. So who was that? Yeah, so that was Chris Finch. And so we touched on Finch, you know, a little bit earlier. And and really the only only reason I had him in Met expectations is um, is because he was everything I think that he was built to be when they made that hire. And, you know, besides all the kerfuffle of him, act, you know, the hiring process, um, right. a lot of people said a really, just a lot of really good things about like how good of a basketball mind he is and, and how good of a leader he is and how people have respected him everywhere he's been. And um, that was high praise from a lot of people who, who know stuff who matter, I guess. And I think he was everything that he b- was billed to be. So, um, so yeah, he's, he was my last guy in the met expectations list. All right. Perfect. So I would agree with that too. I don't have anything else to add. I think you nailed that on the head. Um, so that leaves, I believe there's only four players that haven't been mentioned so far. I think. Yes. I'm going to start with my first player that exceeded expectations, and that's Jalen Noel. I don't have a ton to say about Noel. I didn't expect him to play just because the I thought that the shooting guard rotation would be really packed. I thought that D'Lo would play a lot at the two. Um, I thought Culver, Okogi, Ant, Malik would all get minutes there at some point. Yep. And I just didn't think it would happen. A lot of his minutes came because there's injuries and he played some at the one and some at the two. Um, I think it, they estimated on basketball reference, he played 23% of his minutes as the point guard and 63% at the shooting guard and then 14 at the small forward. But overall, um, he played really poorly last season. Um, in mm-hmm. his small amount of minutes, he only played 15 games for 10 minutes a night, but, um, he shot the ball just bad. And I knew he'd be better than that. He was only 33% this season, but you just saw the mid range game, all that stuff kind of come to fruition. And that was really exciting. So I was really happy with how he played. He definitely exceeded my expectations for him. Um, I don't know what that really means going forward. If he has a spot, you know, locked in the rotation or anything, but he did exceed my expectations. Yep. Yeah. I think I don't have much more to add on him. I, I have him in my exceeded expectations. Just, you know, he showed he can score in the NBA um, and, and get hot at times. And so um, that could be a valuable uh, rotation piece and bench piece. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what the next few years bring. He's on a great contract for the Wolves exactly. for the next yep. couple of years. So, um, yeah, I, I feel good about the season he had, even though injuries kind of cut short, cut it short a little bit. All right, so you give me your next player that's in your exceeded expectations list. Yeah, I'm gonna because I, I'm obviously I know who's who's at, probably at the top of your list. It's Jaden McDaniel, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal him. Um, I, mean, I love it. What else could he have possibly done to exceed expectations? He's I mean, the literally pick. I'm not gonna lie. He had to step foot on an NBA court to exceed my expectations. I did it yeah, exactly. He I wrote in my that piece, you know, I said, he's going to spend the whole season down yep. in the G league and he's yep. only going to come up if, if, uh, injuries are so bad. That's the only time he's going to see the floor. Yep. Exceeded and, it, but you keep and, going. And I mean, he exceeded the, I mean, he exceeded the front office's expectations. I mean, they could have drafted him at 17, uh, but then they traded back. They could have drafted him, um, at 25 Three, 20, or 23 where they something picked, like that. Uh, Balmaro. Yeah. 
they yeah they traded back 25 then back up to 23 and they could have picked him at 23 but they took Bomaro and then in 28 they took him and it was kind of like oh well good value pick you know yeah. hopefully he develops into something and then holy cow I mean I I didn't I looked into the draft a decent amount last year you know not nothing crazy but um, it just seemed like he was one of those tall scorers, you know, get, give him the ball and get out of the way type of guy um, who didn't have a good year at Washington. But holy cow, I mean, he's one of the better defenders in the NBA uh, yeah. from the moment he stepped foot on a court. And I mean, he's a winning player already at 20 years old, which is just I mean, kind of mind blowing. And then there's just this whole other untapped potential side of him as well that is just kind of waiting to be unleashed, I think. So, yeah, I, I mean, we couldn't say enough positive things about McDaniels, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't say enough about him. I don't want to, I've just gushed about him all season long, and mm-hmm. I don't want to keep just piling on, but he definitely exceeded expectations. He has been wonderful. It's been such a joy to watch him this season. Yep. Um, so I've been really happy with that. Uh, two guys left. I will take Nas Reed here because yep. I have an admission in that piece I wrote before the season, I always like to go back and look at the stuff I wrote and see the dumb right. shit I said. Yep. Um, I had him as the third center on this team's rotation. I had Towns, Davis, and then Nas Reed. And I was really high on Nas Reed last season, um, mm-hmm. you know, with him playing. Um, I said he was one of the biggest and brightest, you know, surprises last season. Um, but I did say that he'd find himself, you know, stuck behind Cat and then you know, Davis would be that backup. I thought there was a reason they had traded for Davis. Turns out it, there wasn't much of a reason other than yep. whatever. But um, I said with, with a little bit more polish, Nas could become somebody that would be a really nice player this league. Um, that held true. And his polish came, he lost, you know, a ton of weight. He's way more athletic than he looked last season. Um, he finishes everything around the rim. He has just been amazing. Defensively he has a lot to work on still. Um, but he's a solid shooter. I think he's a very good cat esque backup offensive backup player where you can kind of run the same system with him out there, which I think is valuable for a team and he's on a great contract, but I didn't still didn't expect him to be this good. He was really awesome. Um, this season. So I was very happy. I think he's a legitimate, you know, top 10 backup center, top, definitely top half backup center in the league. Yeah. So I'm really happy with how we played this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, on, on Nas, I mean, I, I remember a Twitter exchange with that I had, I believe, with Jack Borman at the end of last year. So just kind of when we're all starved for Wolves content, because it was after the pandemic hit and everything. And um, we just had a little back and forth about Nas. And we kind of, I remember agreeing like, yeah, Nas won't be the backup center next year. We shouldn't right. want him to be. We'll get a different backup center to fill that role. Nas can step in later. And then, I mean, holy cow, he a year later, he is one of the best backup centers in the league. He's had to start another, you know, 20 games or so uh, this season. And I mean, I fully expect him to be a high level player in this, in this league overall, you know, not, not a star. Sure. But, you know, very few guys get to start him. but I mean, a winning player in the NBA for, you know, soon, you know, in the next, I agree. next year or two. So yeah, it's amazing progression from him and exceeded, I would imagine any rational person's expectations. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. He's been awesome. Um, especially offensively. The last player 
which you can talk about him first. It is your turn, but mm-hmm. we know who it is. Go for it. Say his name. Say it, his it name. Is, it is Anthony Edwards, A1 from day one. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine he's on everyone's exceeded expectations list. I mean, rough first half of the season, but I wouldn't have even put him probably at, you know, below expectations after the first half of the season. Cause I kind of thought, I mean, yeah, I was just going to say that if he played like that all year, I probably still would have had him in like met expectations, you know, just yeah. because he, or maybe if he only got a little bit better, cause usually yeah, they get a little bit better, but like. I would have probably had him in met expectations because I didn't expect a lot from him. No, um, right. I, I didn't even think he'd really be starting, you know, just because I, I probably stupidly thought we had a lot of depth uh, coming into the coming into the season. And I just kind of thought he'll be an awesome bench piece this year to develop into a starter, you know, the year after or, or something like that. And I mean, we just heard how he was an efficient, an inefficient chucker you know, who was just going to get his shots up. He's going to have some big scoring nights, but otherwise, you know, is going to be mostly bad. And that's what he was for the first half of the season. And then, except he did flash a lot more passing uh, potential, I think playmaking potential, I think, than we, than we thought. But then obviously, you know, we've all been, if you've been alive for the last three months of the, of the season, you know that he just completely flipped a switch and things got easy for him. Things got, things slowed down for him. And I mean, we, I think, all expect going into next season for him to be, you know, one of the not best scorers in the NBA. I don't want to put that on him at age 20, but just like a really good scorer already in, you know, at age 20 next season. Yeah, I think he has a legitimate chance to be a 25 point yeah. per game score. I think he could leave the Timberwolves and score next year because he has the mindset more than Cat does to take over this game by yep. scoring. Um, and the way that he does it, in fourth quarters when the game like matters to like bring them back or put some away, someone away. Those are things that winning players do that I think yep. he's going to, de- I'm not saying he's been a winning player this year, but heading right. into the future, I think he's got a really good chance of being one of those go-to winning players down, down the stretch. Um, he's one of the reasons Timberwolves are one of the best fourth quarter teams post all-star break. I think they ended second when it comes to, to offensive rating in, in fourth quarters and maybe top five ish. Um, net rating so they were really good in fourth quarters and good teams win the fourth quarter they close out games right. and that's something we didn't see under ryan saunders that we saw under chris finch so that makes me um really excited for anthony edwards and and that's someone we could talk about forever um yep. but he's just been amazing the second half of the season where i think i posted a poll on twitter uh just the other day i'm gonna go see if i can find it quick uh maybe you saw it but i tweeted um, is Anthony Edwards already the second best player on the Wolves? Mm-hmm. If not, how long before he is slash what does he need to do to get there? Um, 82% of the 250 people that voted, uh, 83% actually said he is already the second best player in the Timberwolves. I yep. would say not. I would say he's the third best player. I would still have D'Angelo Russell above him. Um, and a lot of people said, I think D'Lo is still better, but Edwards has a higher potential. People would say yep. he's third right now, but only like a month into next year, he might be second. And that's kind of where right. I'm at um, right. with him. So either way, it, the it could idea change that very, very quickly, at, you know, a month, like you said, a month into next year, we could be like, yeah, okay. He's the, he's the guy. And I think the thing is, I think he has a legitimate chance to pass Carl Anthony Towns to be the best player on this team with the way that the value that wings have in the NBA 
um, and how young he is. I think, and I don't think it's going to happen for a while, but I think there's a point in time at maybe two years down the road, he could be the best player in this team. And then you're talking about a team where Carl Anthony Towns is your second best player. Then you have D'Lo as your third best player. Um, all in those two in their primes and ants only getting better. I think it could be really fun. And and maybe that'll never happen. Maybe he'll never be as good as cat. Um, but even to the, the fact that we're having that conversation here at the end of his rookie season that he started so poorly with yep. is that's the reason we're having this conversation is because he's been so good after the all-star yep. break. So I'm really excited for, for his future, the table's future with him. Um, but yeah, that, I think that, I think we touched on every player. I Let think, me double I think check. That's everybody. I mean, Ash, you want to do 10 minutes on Ashton Haggins or. <laughs> I don't think he warrants 10 minutes. I think I, he didn't even play short. 10 minutes. In I don't the league, even know. So yeah, I, don't, I don't know that he got on the court on the G league team. So um, we'll, we can leave Ashton Haggins alone. Yeah. He played a couple minutes, I think against, uh, okay. against the warriors early in the season, but yeah, no, other than that, um, I think we talked about everybody. Overall, I'm just super excited for, for this season um, coming up. The draft yep. lottery is going to be a huge thing. We're going to see in about a month if the Timberwolves are keeping their draft pick, which is insane to think that it's that early. But that's a big night. I'm, but the thing is, I am not going to lose all hope in this team if that, if that doesn't happen. I think a lot of people are kind of – I think that's the reason why I was so okay with, with losing draft percentage points or the lottery – with the winning was because if you just lose them all and then you don't get the pick, you're sitting next year. Like we don't even know what we have. At least now we, you kind of know what you have. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I'm hundred percent with you, with you on that. That'll be a big night, but I think, I I think a lot of people are going to go in with the perspective that lose it, lose it. We're going to kind of expect that. And so they can only, you know, their expectations keeping with our theme, it can only exceed or meet expectations. Right. My expectations are that the, that the pick won't be there. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much, that's my expectation. And then if it happens, it happens, but I'm not going to count on that by any means, but I I still feel confident that the Timberwolves will be a solid team next season, regardless Mm -hmm. of if that, if that pick does come to fruition, but do you have any last thoughts before we hop off? Uh, no, I, I think we, we about covered it. That was a good, kind of a good way to wrap the, wrap the season, you know, talk about who, um, who we feel, who we felt good about, who we, who we feel, you know, could do better. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just a good segue now into the off season, really. For sure. Well, thank you for coming on. I'll have you on again, probably well before the season starts, but, um, it was a joy. This is the first time we've talked face to face. So I've enjoyed that. Um, Everybody go to balleyesnorth.com, read everything. Uh, a lot of great things that are that you're doing over there. So I appreciate it. I love reading people that are fans. Like you said at the beginning, you're not an expert. I sure as hell am not an expert either. Mm-hmm. It's in my Twitter bio, not an expert, just because <laughs> right. I would never act to be one. But I just like talking hoops. You like talking hoops, and you do a great yep. job um, with you. that. So I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, other than that, everybody, thank you for listening. This has been the Believe in Timberwolves. Uh, podcast brought to you by bet online and i will see you in the next one peace out
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.